0: Don't let fear be a detractor from being able to jump in, even if at a small point. It will pay off dividends.
1: Best ever listeners, you ready to take your online advertising into the big leagues? Are you ready to get more leads? Well, how about we do all this for free? Yeah, sure. Free. Well, it starts out with a free strategy session with Dan Barrett. You recognize his name. Episode 565, titled Google AdWords and Cutting Edge Strategies. He's the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. That's why I'm talking about him. And he's managed over a million dollars of client spend and scored an 80th percentile or higher for best practice. Basically, he knows his stuff. And he is offering a free strategy session for one hour to do a deep dive with you and learn about your market and collaboratively come up with an online advertising strategy based on your target audience. And he's offering to do this for the best ever listeners. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. I mentioned free. Well, the strategy session is free. And then you can either take the online advertising strategy that he comes up with on the call and go implement it yourself. There you go. It's free or You can have him and his agency do it for you. It's a turnkey solution. And by the way, that likely wound up being free too, assuming that you're closing on the leads that he's generating for you as a result of all the efforts. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. He's got some amazing stuff. Ask him about the pre-targeting for direct mail lists that he does. It's something unique to their company And it's pretty exciting stuff. He's noticing some tremendous results as a result of doing pre-targeting. So ask him about that, adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluff. We've spoken to Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank, Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, a whole bunch of others. With us today, Tom Black. How you doing, Tom?
0: Great, Joe. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well, and nice to have you on the show. Tom, first and foremost, he's a former Navy vet, turned physician, turned real estate investor. So thank you for your service in the Navy, my friend. Thank you so much. It was great. In addition to the Navy, as I mentioned, he is a former physician and a real estate investor. He currently is a regional director of eight hospital emergency departments. And I guess you're currently a physician too, practicing. Uh, I
0: currently am. I'm practicing about one, maybe one day a week or so, just to kind of keep my finger on the pulse of things, should I
1: say. Sweet. In addition to that, more relevant to our conversation, he is the co founder and managing partner of Nepali Capital, a real estate investment company. And his company owns nearly $50 million in multifamily real estate across three states Texas, Oklahoma, and Wisconsin based in my hometown, Dallas, Texas. With that being said, Tom, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your career? Sure,
0: sure thing. Kind of got involved in real estate about seven years ago now. I was finishing up my medical training up at the wonderful Indiana University and was really hitting a time where the market, as you know, wasn't doing so hot around that 2008, 2009 time period. And Decided to rent my house up there instead and we moved down to Texas area and just rented out to a residence. And that really gave me insight to a depreciation, which is something that a lot of physicians don't know about and or don't have just because of the nature of our business and not having uh, any assets to use. So I got into practice out in East Texas, designed and developed and built from the ground up a small apartment complex and did very well in it and 1031 that into some commercial properties. and just completely got enamored by it and what it could do for physicians and other uh, high net worth individuals translating from high income to a high net worth, which has been career saving for me and that the emergency department and other physicians and, and in general tend to have pretty high stress careers and there's a longevity to that. You can only do it so long. So moved to the Dallas area and uh, started doing some syndications mainly with physicians and my brother who was the former chief operating officer of Great Wolf Lodge, which is an indoor uh, water park community and hotelier. And since then, it's just been cut off the races, and I just finished a book, in fact, entitled The Passive Income Physician, Surviving a Career Crisis by Expanding Net Worth. And it's basically about my background from the Navy up into medicine and then translating that and having a heck of a fun time doing it.
1: You designed and built a small apartment complex. Can you elaborate and tell us the details about that?
0: Uh, Sure. In Longview, not a lot of economic pressure as far as big box places, a lot of local economic impacts. And we found, or I found a three acre plot that was on foreclosure actually through a bank and decided to jump in. I had read enough about real estate. I had owned numerous single family homes that we bought as foreclosures and we were using them as, as rentals. And so I partnered up with a local custom home builder that had been building custom homes for about 20 years. And started designing and doing utilities. Of course, that goes hand in hand with rezoning, which is not something that I would ever wish on my worst enemy, but learned a lot about the process and took this thing from a pile of dirt up into just under 20 units. took us about a year and a half and then was fortunate to sell it at a time where oil was starting to decline a number of years ago.
1: Mm, Okay. How much did you buy the land for and what were your all-in costs in addition to the land?
0: The all-in land costs were only $35,000, and I bet somebody will probably be out there dropping their jaws, but it is East Texas for a couple of acres, and it actually had a pipeline running through it. East Texas is known for, of course, a lot of oil, so there's a lot of issues with engineering that need to go around that and, and variances and things, so we had to specifically design the apartment complex so that we could get around these pipelines and things. So all in cost was just about a million dollars or so right around there with our fees. I think we ended up at about 1.2 and ended up selling for just under 1.9 million 18 months later.
1: Oh, that's great. What type of financing did you get in order to build it? On
0: this, oddly enough, I didn't know enough about multifamily and built the units probably a little larger looking back than I should have and used some Really nice interiors, et cetera, granite and stainless steel appliances. And this was all done as a recourse note on my back. Of course, now getting to educate physicians, it's one of the paramount things that I discuss is recourse versus non-recourse financing. And at that time, I didn't really understand what that meant. And for those I'm sure that, that do know that non-recourse with larger assets, you're not limited to uh, having any financial liability unless there's certain clauses that are met. So that was all done as a bank note on my cheat sheet
1: with that exit you 1031 it into what?
0: Light industrial properties near that area that are all triple net lease to oilfield service companies. And so we've managed to do very, very well on those. They're anywhere from 5,000 to 20,000 square feet. We ended up building those as well and have done very well for the last three years. Despite the decline in oil, oilfield service companies still have to operate and there's still a certain amount of measuring and calculations and other things that need to be done on existing wellheads. So We did that and we used that money then as I broke off and moved to Dallas-Fort Worth area and took the existing position I'm at, managing the physician group, and then in turn really focusing a lot on physician wellness and more passive income and professionals and people that may not know the absolute joy it could be to depreciate a large asset at the same time, creating passive income for yourselves.
1: So at 1031, you went into light industrial properties that were triple net lease and you built those from the ground up?
0: One was a purchased existing, and what we did was a, a leasehold improvement on it for several hundred thousand dollars because the tenant existing wanted some more office space. And so we had bought that building that satisfied the 1031 requirements. The other one we got was essentially a shell. And so the land the building had been developed, we just did not have a tenant in there. And so it was kind of a building we built on spec. And luckily, and maybe a month after we signed the contract, we had a national oil field service company out of Utah came in and started leasing that.
1: Mm. How did you attract the company that ended up leasing it? Relationships. (laughs)
0: And that's the cornerstone of this multifamily and real estate. The gentleman that owned and developed the industrial park actually had relationships with a lot of places all over. So he had had some people that were ready to finish their business plan in a couple of these commercial buildings. And so he offered them to me. Uh, I was Mm -hmm. just a gentleman in the community and it's a very small community. So I was fortunate to have made those relationships early on.
1: And you have a toehold in Longview, Texas, East Texas, and I have some friends who are from there, and I love hearing them talk. They have a different accent from a typical Texas accent. Why not focus on that market, albeit smaller, but you could dominate that market versus going in larger markets?
0: At the time I built this area, it's very possible. It's just that there's a decent amount of people that are doing a lot of different land plays and things like that. And Of course, oil and gas is very big there. The issue is it's really only a town of 80,000 with traffic counts maybe to 110,000 in the day. And so what happened is I had this great idea that I was going to build something very nice because there was no existing multifamily there that was available for rentals when I actually moved there. The last property that had been built maybe early 90s, uh, still a class A, but really wasn't up to par. They were consistently 99% waiting list. What happened is when we started designing this complex, two major companies came in and put in about 800 units in the growing part of the community. And the first one did very, very well and leased up very quickly as well as the majority of the seconds. But that pretty much just absorbed all those folks that would have been looking for nicer places, which is where we built. So Mm. at this point, there's just no jobs for that class of folks, and people are leaving that area, and it's really, really tough to make that work.
1: On the 20 unit that you built from the ground up, why build from the ground up versus buy an existing property? Well,
0: really, at at first it was to satisfy my goals of creating housing that was something that I would want to live in, which is probably my first mistake. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The units were anywhere from 1,000 to 1,300 square feet, almost like homes inside. So that was really the first thing. And I didn't see anything out there in the community. It was kind of a pride of ownership at that time. Whereas now I'm focused on my investors, my returns, while at the same time still doing a quality product and pride of ownership. But at that time, I was very fixated on those classes only and kind of had some blinders at that
1: point. Okay. Makes sense. And what year are we in when you move to Dallas and you're done with the Longview stuff? I
0: finished the Longview property about 2012, right around there. Actually, 2013 we sold and I moved to the DFW area in July of 2014.
1: 2014, and now you have $50 million in multifamily real estate in Texas, Oklahoma, and Wisconsin. What's the largest property in terms of units, and where is it? We have
0: 305 units. It's on the north part of Arlington. We bought that in December of 2014. And it has been, as you know, the DFW area is very hot right now. And there's a lot of infrastructure and a lot of influx of jobs, et cetera. So we've done very well on the property. But that's our largest asset right now is 305.
1: And how many total units, roughly, if you don't know off the top of your head, just so I get an idea of how? Uh, in, million.
0: in Just including multifamily, we're probably sitting at just over 900. So you've got
1: a third of them in that one property in Arlington, but you're also in Oklahoma and Wisconsin. Why choose to branch out to those two states? We had,
0: as you know, underwritten a lot of different areas and looking for where we could find value. Mm -hmm. And we were fortunate to go into the Tulsa market and find two properties that were owned and had fallen in disrepair. And really, it came down to a management issue. And since then, we've taken over the properties and rehabbed both of them. We've done very well. The Tulsa market, of course, is not as robust as the DFW market, but we're still seeing graded strong returns. And in looking at those other markets, it's just strong underwriting, number one, and Mm -hmm having a very long underwriting period so that we can essentially do a yield play. I mean, the the loans are, of course, they're Freddie Mac loans, but they're 10 to 12 years, so we can underwrite for a long period just in case the situation changes.
1: With your Tulsa two properties that were in disrepair and there's a management issue, I think I know the answer. I think you're going to say relationships, but how did you you hear about those two properties?
0: Exactly that. It was relationships, (laughs) and one of them was being managed out of a company in Utah, They had gone in and they'd done some great things with the property, but they just didn't finish their business plan. And the other was another syndication of a gentleman in Texas had not put a a dollar into that property and and just did some very one-off things. They hadn't done a distribution to any of their investors in a number, I think, two years. And they had just maybe overanalyzed the property where they couldn't put back in the cash flow that they needed to to make the property really shine. And that's where the key is, is being able to have enough Capital X to go in and to do what you can and execute the the returns that you need to.
1: As far as how you got in touch with those two separate groups, was there a broker or did you know those two groups personally and you did it off-market?
0: Yeah, it was one single broker off-market is what it was, and he was able to… Tulsa is a funny market like that. There's not as much competition brokerages. You know, DFW probably got a lot of different brokers, but only five do the majority, kind of the 80-20 rule, whereas Tulsa, very few times property properties even listed, so they don't go to best in finals or have call for offers or anything.
1: Was it first commercial?
0: No, actually it wasn't. Right now I would love to give them a plug, and I, can- <laughs> <laughs> I, can- I cannot see their company name in front of me right now.
1: Oh, that's fine. I only know one group in Tulsa. It's the first commercial. So it was basically a pocket listing where the broker had a relationship with you and they had these two owners who were looking to sell and the broker went to you because they knew you would close and you made it happen. Okay, cool. And Wisconsin, you're in Dallas. You went to school in Indiana. Tulsa makes sense, but yeah, Wisconsin.
0: My brother, Tim, Tim and Tom, of course, who was the chief operations officer at Gray Wolf, Great Wolf is actually headquartered in Wisconsin. And so around that area of the university, he lives probably 20 minutes from there. And so we have a couple of multifamily areas around in there too. So he heads those up and I try not to fly anywhere near Wisconsin unless it is July, August. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How many units do you have in Wisconsin and what city are they in? They're all in
0: Madison and probably only, I believe, just less than 30.
1: Okay. 30 units. Are they student rentals?
0: No, actually they're not. There's a 16 plex and then I believe a bunch of uh, kind of quadplexes that are nice and they're actually not students. So.
1: How do you manage those 30 units since they're so far away? That would
0: be Tim. We've got a professional management company up there also.
1: Okay. Just a third party? Oh, right.
0: Yeah. No, I let him, so he's boots on the ground right there and he's able to manage all that. And I try to not get involved with that as much as possible. <laughs> okay. are um, good for our investors.
1: But it's a third party management company that he oversees? So you've got the 305 in North Arlington. You bought them in 2014. What's your business plan with those? You've had it for now three or so years. What's the progress on that business plan?
0: I misspoke because as you said, 2014, I know I, I made a mistake. It was actually 2015. So we're 18 months into the process. Okay. Uh, our business plan originally, three to five years execution plan on that. We started with... The concept that, number one, all the rentals were about $50 under for comps in the area, as well as they weren't doing any kind of utility billback or rubs. We've been able to recapture the grossly month from 170,000 collections. And this month, we actually just hit our record of $217,000. So we have taken that property up just in value by NOI approximately $5 million in 18 months. So we've been very happy with that.
1: Great. So from 170 to 217 in collections, and how much did you buy it for?
0: Right under 13. I think we were at 12.8.
1: 13 million, and
0: if you look at the NOI out using the same cap as we bought, we're right at 17.1 million.
1: And I'm sure the cap is actually lower than when you bought at this point, right?
0: We're about a seven and three cap, and I like to try and look at it realistically. And I think we look at it about a seven and a half. Although in that, you know, as you're familiar with that Arlington area, it's probably not unrealistic if to get a seven cap or so.
1: Yeah, I agree. The way that you said you do a three to five year business plan, did that mean that you're planning on exiting in three to five years? Right. As soon as we hit those returns,
0: I think we had estimated, I know the first year we paid out our investors roughly 13.1% cash on cash. I think our business plan calls for a little bit more than that this year. And when we typically hit around 100% return, which right now we're in year three of that pro forma, then we will try and execute whether we look at it, go to the investors and say hey, we want to do a supplemental here, that way we can get tax-free money out, and then we'll continue to cash flow the property, or do we sell the property outright, or do we just continue to use the cash flow? So at that point, I imagine at the 36 months, if the market's favorable, and certainly in Dallas I think it will be, then we look at it, because I think one of the keys is being able to sell it to somebody else and allow them to create some value there and continue on to improve the property and drive revenue.
1: I should have asked this because this is a relevant question. If you've increased value 5 million, how much did you put into it to increase it that 5 million? We
0: put about 600,000 in CapEx.
1: Okay.
0: Not too horrible. I mean, we're still executing some of the smaller little details, but the major items have already been done with a soccer field, a cage soccer field in, and which for that community has been fantastic. We did a lot of repair and really where it came down to is management, customer service.
1: That is incredible. It's less than two thousand dollars a unit, and you have increased the value five million dollars according to your projections. So, that, I suspect you haven't done interior renovations on unit turns.
0: Very few. We've done a little bit, I and mean, we normally budget about twenty five hundred dollars per unit, and that's where we went with this. You know, for the three hundred and five, there wasn't much to get caught up on as far as structural or any kind of uh, deferred maintenance. Mm-hmm. We have some roof issues, but. The unique thing about this property was that uh, like all areas around that Arlington location is all the units had tile already. And they were actually ceramic tile, so that saved a good amount of money. And we do go in, and when we're turning a unit, put in stainless steel appliance, or not stainless steel, I'm sorry, like brushed nickel fixtures. And the upstairs tends to get some you know, faux wood vinyl floors, and we get two-inch blinds, and then a more palatable color scheme. But really, there wasn't a whole lot that needed to be done to the units. Uh, we've been really fortunate.
1: So based on your experience as an investor who has both triple net lease buildings and done ground-up development, now doing and focused on multifamily syndication, what is your best real estate investing advice ever?
0: To not be afraid not to jump in. Fear will hold you back. All those years ago when I bought that land in Longview, I got seriously crazy looks, not only from my family, from my wife, from other physicians. Something in me told it was the right thing to do, and Don't let fear be a detractor from being able to jump in, even if at a small point, it will pay off dividends.
1: When you talk to, let's say, your wife, and you are talking about going into real estate more heavily than, say, renting out your residence when you are in Indiana, what are the talking points? And I ask this not because I'm interested in your relationship with your wife in the conversation, but for best ever listeners who need to have those Crucial conversations with their significant others. How would you recommend it based on your personal experience?
0: It's been a total team approach. We've got a lot of young children. We have four young children. And so a lot of her job was obviously taking care of them. But she's been super passive during the whole thing. She's been fantastic. One of the things I did, because I'm a physician, of course, and a lot for those listeners out there that don't know uh, certain requirements by the IRS to be considered a real estate professional, you know, is to spend at least 750 hours involved in that to be able to take those depreciations For me, of course, as a physician, I was not going to qualify for that. So my wife actually went and got her Texas real estate license, which automatically qualifies her as a real estate professional, thus giving us the ability to depreciate a good amount of our uh, taxable income, which has been very, very favorably. And when she gets the ability to do that and she sees the dollar signs, then it's a win-win, really.
1: You ready for the best ever lightning round? Oh, okay. Let's do this. (laughs) All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Got your free strategy session to generate online leads yet? Well, if not, go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Dan Barrett's going to give you a concrete online advertising strategy by the end of the conversation. You can choose to implement it yourself or you can work with this team and they'll implement it for you. Adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Are you ready to grow and protect your wealth in any market? Join Cashflow Tactics to learn the exact strategies real estate investors can use to maximize returns using whole life insurance as a new banking resource. Visit CashflowTactics.com. That's C-A-S-H-F-L-O-W-T-A-C-T-I-S.com. Best ever book you've read?
0: Best ever book. Uh, Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad Poor Dad, I would say. Changed my
1: life. Best ever personal growth experience. What'd you learn from it?
0: Was in the Navy and had an appointment to the Naval Academy and did something really stupid as a young 18-year-old guy and got that removed. Learned never give up, and uh, just because you're down, there's a lot of other roads that you can take that are just as profitable, if not better, for you in the long run.
1: Best ever deal you've done? I would
0: say the Arlington deal right now is just smoking.
1: Best ever way you like to give back?
0: Volunteering as a physician is a big one. And as Nepali Capital grows, we have some plans to contribute a run of the community. And that's something that I cannot wait to do is financially contribute.
1: What's the biggest mistake you've made on a particular deal?
0: Don't ever buy a piece of land and assume you can rezone it. That is a big mistake. Understanding zoning is very, very good. I bought a piece of land in Kilgore, Texas one time. And I wanted to rezone the single family over to a multifamily and build some very, very nice small little condos. And the homeowners association that was adjacent to it absolutely went crazy. And I found myself in the newspaper and at town hall meetings being yelled at. <laughs> and I will never rezone or any other. Needless to say, I lost that battle after numerous tries.
1: What were they saying in the newspaper? Oh,
0: my God. It was evil doctor from next door <laughs> long who wants to put in – rentals with druggies and it's, <laughs> everything that i was not planning on doing they accused me of doing and in fact there was condos or townhomes right across the street that were rentals and as you may know you, they have to put out messages to the surrounding area of 200 feet and so they had people that were renters coming to these town hall meetings and accusing me of doing something that they were already doing <laughs> uh, it made no sense and town hall meetings are not something that i'll ever do and That's why we have a turns.
1: (laughs) And that's, I don't think you're going to be getting into ground up development any soon.
0: Not going to happen. I will
1: willfully partner and be an equity component of that. But you need to know, I mean, if
0: you're going to develop, start on the ABCs of rezoning and knowing what you're doing.
1: Oh, I don't want any part of development at all because of that. It's funny because you said earlier the type of finishes that you put into the 20 unit. It sounds like you went a little over and above what you should have with granite and so they were actually way off base because you're probably gonna put in you know stainless steel appliance into this oh
0: it was over the top i mean these were nicer than a lot of my apartments not only na- i could have said when i was in the navy heck no i mean i lived in some places <laughs> that are d class now yeah I-, I did that i probably could have gotten in about four or five 500- hundred more units and really driven noi if i really would have understood that but i was building them based on what I projected the rents to be, and from a meager uh, percentage of, of increase as far as what we knew we could sell it for, so I, I was not sophisticated enough to even get in to know what a cap rate was. I'll tell you what, I'm lucky, but that's the school of hard knocks. You know, mm-hmm. it was a great, great learning experience.
1: Yep, wouldn't be here if you didn't go through that. We have a lot of multifamily investors who listen to the show. What's one learning experience or one thing you would do differently? when given an opportunity when it's presented to you next time on maybe your 305 units or the Tulsa deals? Just one little operational nugget. Operational, less so.
0: I would say relationships. Again, I know we keep harping on that, but make sure that if you're getting involved with somebody or you're doing the investing, just know who you're getting in bed with because it's very, very, very important. Vet them out thoroughly. Sometimes personalities conflict. Operationally, I would just say have a very strong operations team in place and no your third-party management and really understand what a PNL l is and how it operates so that you can take full advantage of your asset and being able to turn the highest priority and the interest that you want to, you want to bear.
1: Do you have a particular program or software that you use to vet people out no, and that's
0: part of you mean as far as investors or you mean Yeah,
1: as- you well you said pick your partners wisely. So I'm wondering if you have a certain process you use. No, we've honed it
0: <laughs> after after trial and error and we've learned some really big lessons and we've ended up with a core that's really important because once you develop your team, it's all about the team. And investing is not just for you to go out there, you know, as a single person, it's very difficult. Make sure you have a team around you to do it properly because not doing so, having the correct attorney just understands what they're doing. If you're you know, doing some syndications or investing with the syndicator, yeah. make sure you have a track record as well as CPAs, things like that.
1: Thinking back to a team member who now today you're like, oh man, no way, not on my team again, but they were originally on your team in some capacity. What would you look for now that you didn't look for then?
0: I'd look for somebody who had operationally, who complimented me, who had a very good in, insight, maybe into a part that was weakened. If it's an operations or maybe it's, if it's an analytic part, somebody that is able to go in to garner those sides that maybe I didn't have a stronghold on it, and understanding that. Because at the end of the day, when we're sitting around the table, having a consenting voice is always a very good thing, albeit in, in the right manner. Now, somebody that's abrasive, that destroys relationships, that's not going to work. As you know, when you're dealing with brokers or even investors, you have a very, very serious obligation to do what's best for them first. Not the brokers, the investors. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> brokers will be but, fine. You know that. Yeah. They're, they're not for their own interests. So.
1: They'll always land on their feet. <laughs> right. They will. They'll be doing fine. Well, Tom, really enjoyed our conversation. Where can the best ever listeners get in touch with you?
0: The easiest, I have a blog that's called freedomintheblack.com, as well as www.napalicapital.com. And that is spelled napalica com. It's napalicap.com. And then the book is actually just came out on March 1st on Amazon. That is called The Passive Income Physicians Surviving a Career Crisis by Expanding Net Worth. And if you just Google my name, Thomas Black MD, it will indeed pop up.
1: Outstanding. Congratulations on the recent book launch and congrats on your transition and multitasking abilities as well as surviving the grounded development and doing well on the first one and learning your lesson on the rezoning stuff and I think you said Kilgore and getting in the newspaper and all that stuff as well as most importantly macro level The properties that your company has $50 million in assets under management, the 305 unit in Arlington, as well as the other couple large properties in Tulsa. Interesting stuff, especially the lessons learned along the way, team members and underwriting and how you approach relationships. So grateful we had a conversation. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much, Joe. appreciate all your time. Are you ready to grow and protect your wealth in any market? Join Cashflow Tactics to learn the exact strategies real estate investors can use to maximize returns using whole life insurance as a new banking resource. Visit CashflowTactics.com. That's C-A-S-H-F-L-O-W-T-A-C-T-I-S.com.